0: We're in a series called Real ID. We began last Sunday. We're talking from the book of Colossians in the New Testament about who Jesus is and therefore who I am. Because the reality of scripture is that when I get Jesus right, I can get me right. But when I get Jesus wrong, I get a lot of other things wrong. And in turn, I get me wrong. I get my identity wrong. And so we're honing in as we make our way through uh, the book of Colossians in the New Testament. We'll continue to see more and more about who Jesus is. But in the coming days, we hone in more and more because this is what the book of Colossians does on who we are and more specifically who we are in Christ. That said, I've got a question for you just to kind of begin things today. We're going to jump into blanks uh, that we're filling in here pretty quickly. Um, here's the question. You, have you ever noticed how much you, you think about something and then in your thinking about it? I don't mean you create it by thinking about it, but you think about something and then it, it, sometimes you're thinking and then this sort of self-fulfilling prophecy tends to happen where, where you're, you're thinking about something going wrong and then it does go wrong, right? You're thinking about something not working out and it doesn't work out. And it's not just that we're anticipating what might happen. There is sort of some self-sabotage that happens in our lives. And I I don't mean for at all for this message to be sort of the power of positive thinking. There's far more going on in what we're going to talk about today than that. But I absolutely believe that when my mind reaches a place where it's obsessed with sort of the negative side of things... That I end up, you know, if I walk down the street thinking I'm going to trip while I walk down the street, there's decent odds that I'm going to, you know, I'm driving the car. I, I remember when I first started learning to drive, you had to learn to not focus on everybody else. Do you remember this when you started learning to drive because your eyes are bouncing from car to car to car and you're seeing what everybody else is doing but here's what happens if i am driving down the road at a speed higher than i am comfortable with and there's a car next to me and i am focused on the car next to me i will drift towards the car next to me without even realizing it. It, Right? It, it, this is very much the same. When, when you were driving, you had to learn to focus beyond everybody else. So what I want to do is starting out, I want to give you four obsessions that create sort of a negative thinking loop in our lives, or as I'm going to call it, stinking thinking. <laughs> you recognize stinking thinking in your own life, don't you? Haven't you been trapped before in a, in a place? Like, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not getting on us about emotional struggles. Okay, I wanna be clear about that. Emotional health is important. It is is natural, common, and human to struggle with emotions, all right? So I am not making fun of that, and I am not uh, telling you that you're a bad person. If that kind of thing, if you have a wrestling match with depression, That doesn't make you bad, that makes you human. That said, I know in my own life that it's easy to get obsessed with the wrong things and make the wrong comparisons, and when I do that, I get trapped in what I'm calling stinking thinking. So let me give you four obsessions that create stinking thinking with us. The first is an obsession with what other people think. You ever been there, yep. right? Right. You're thinking about the boss. You're thinking about your kid. You're thinking about uh, the person that you go to school with. You're thinking about the cool kids. You're thinking about what your pastor thinks of you. You're, you're thinking about other people and what other people think. And this is very much like the car. I am. I. I. I, I don't want to be driven by what my, you know, my nemesis at work thinks of me. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want, it's like, that's like driving down the road and going, I don't want to hit the mailbox, I don't want to hit the mailbox, I don't want to hit the mailbox, right, it's the same thing when I was learning to ride a bike, I remember when I was in the rickety days of riding a bike and I was wobbly, you know, because it wasn't smooth, and I, you know, I'm not going to hit the curb, exactly, exactly we that's right actually the curb then the mailbox no no this was the 1980s man 1970s 1980s. we're like a what we're like a what you know i mean like you know I mean, seriously like we built little ramps or you know curbs were ramps if you got the right Right, the right curb. You're trying to hit the curb right. See how much air you could get. You just didn't want to do that with a mailbox right on the other side, right? And uh, but nonetheless, I, I advanced to those places. I didn't start there. It's just super easy in life to find yourself obsessed with other people and particularly what they think of you. What is my reputation? Why don't they think I belong with them? What, wh- what is it about me that they don't like? I'm going to change who I am. Notice this becomes about identity. I'm going to change who I am. I talked, I, I think it was last Sunday, talking about that seventh grader inside of all of us, that sixth grader inside of all of us that starts to feel insecure. I'm obsessed with what other people think. It's natural and easy to get caught up in stinking thinking. Number two, four obsessions that create stinking thinking. The second is an obsession with the news of the day. I just want to be clear about this. This is not a political thing. I'm not trying to go down that road. This is just, have you noticed that um, when you turn on the news, it's rarely like, let's do a feature on a positive story where a guy helped a puppy or a grandma across the street? Right? The news is never that, right? In the news cycle, they say if it, if it bleeds, right? right? And so the news of the day can be overwhelming. So here's what we do. We shift from news on the radio. Do you all still have radios in your car? You know, that old, old technology? Oh, yeah. Moving on up. Eight track in the car that would be an impressive car at this point So you're you're listening to the news of the day on the radio you go home and you need some background noise We're not very comfortable with silence in our homes these days, so we pop on the TV right right and what's on Right news so we run the news of the day and we've got to catch the local news we've got to catch the the the, the political news, we've got to catch the world news, we've got to catch the... And so they run through all of this news. And I don't know if you've ever done this on your favorite news channel, whatever your favorite news channel is, if you were to turn it on at 8 a.m. and let leave it on until, like, say, 8 p.m., you're going to hear the same story 30 different times, right? Because they're going to talk about the same stuff incessantly. How much of that stuff... Is what is good I'm not saying be a disinformed person I watch the news I Craig I also have a.m. radio believe it or not (laughs) right I listen to news but I easily noticed at times that the news cycle can get overwhelming and we're and this I'll throw this in for free we're about to be in a cycle actually we live in a sort of four-year election cycle now where you start running as soon as the last like, you know, yeah. but, but the, the negativity in the news will ramp up because all of that's meant to stoke fear, which stokes votes, which stokes giving money, which stokes not you being in power. So that said, add to that, then that any given, have you noticed lately that like world disasters are picking up pace? And this is not the only time in the history of Earth this has happened. So people always say to me, man, natural disasters going on. You think, like, is Jesus coming back tomorrow? I'm like, he might. He might. Hey, like, we got to live ready. That's the message of the Bible. we got to live ready. But there have been many, many seasons in the history of planet Earth. But the difference between 400 years ago in planet Earth and today in planet Earth is that you turn on the news and you see all of them as though they're personal to you, right? Lahaina feels personal, and I'm not Hawaiian, right? I have a friend who lives 10 miles from where the last hurricane went ashore in Florida. It feels personal. You watch the news, and something happens somewhere in the world, and you've been there before, and it feels... And so it begins to feel like the news of the day is negative and overwhelmingly negative, and it's about you. And never mind, planet Earth's never really been about you. But you see, you see how this works, right? News of the day, stinking thinking. What other people think, the news of the day, <laughs> four obsessions create stinking thinking, number three, The pains of this life. Is there anybody under, I'm just going to survey the room. Anybody under 20 in the room? I don't. Good job. Good job. You got any pain today? You got any pain today? Anything hurt? See, this is my point. Now, look around the room for you just a moment. Just a moment. Anybody over 20 got any pain in your life today? Amen. Of course you don't, Janelle. No pain, no pain. She's the most in-shape person I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. But like, you know, as you age, pain is a part of the equation. And the older I get, the more I feel it. Now, I don't know if you know this, but neuroscience literally teaches us that this is observable and now been proven, that the more I think about my pain, the more enhanced is my experience of that pain. In other words, there is, and this sounds like mumbo-jumbo, but there is a differentiation between your pain and your experience of that pain and your experience of that pain is colored by what you believe it's colored by your awareness and your attention it's colored by a whole host of things and so neuroscience would teach us that the more obsessed we are with our pains i don't mean ignore them cuz we do we're pretty good at doing that like i don't i've got a pain i don't want to go to the doctor i've got a pain i don't want to go to the doctor pretty soon i'm doubling over in pain now i have to go right so so we live in two worlds We either completely deny because we don't want to admit to ourselves that something's going on. We live in denial, not just the river in Egypt. (laughs) Or we live in obsession with our pain. And by the way, pain's not just physical, right? There's emotional pain. There's grief. There are all sorts of pains we feel that are below the surface. And the more obsessed I am with that pain in my life, the more that begins to create this loop of stinking thinking, where I end up in the place of going, I don't even want to go out in the world. I mean, if I go out in the world, I might get mobbed, right? Because have you seen the news lately? And I've got such pain. Why do I want to go out there? I got plenty of pain already. The world is full of pain. I don't want to go deal with people. Who wants to deal with people? So I'm just going to stay here by myself and huddle up in this little place where I live. And I'm going to block the world out and I'm going to sit here and focus on my pains. And what makes me feel better. And I turn on the TV and I eat Twinkies. Neither of which helps my pain. You look at me like you know what I'm talking about. Number four. This one's really the bottom line on all of it. Four obsessions that create stinking thinking. Number four is myself. The more obsessed I am with myself, which is what the world tells us to do, the more trapped and stinking thinking I become. I want to contrast that with what we read today. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to begin in verse 1. We, we, we spent all of last week studying verse 1 and chapters 1 and 2. Because verse 1 refers backwards, but we've already done that. So let's move forwards. Colossians 3 verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. That is saying that grace has become a part of your life, that you have decided that your life is identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, I realize some of you may not have made that decision yet, but we would challenge you to really deliberately think about what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Which, by the way, (laughs) there was pain involved there, And I'm not sure how much it made the news of the day. Like, I don't know that there was an extra, extra read all about it, Christ on a cross. But I do know this, that over time, it became world-changing. And it became such news that they called it the good news. That's literally what the word gospel means the good news since then you have been raised with christ set your hearts why am i pointing at my mind set your hearts on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of god and set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died and your life is now hidden with christ in god and when christ who is your life appears then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ who is your life appears, you also will appear with him in glory. What is this telling us in the big picture and in the broader context this text pre uh, precludes how we go about dealing with a lot of sin issues in our life how we change from the old person to the new person how transformation takes place in us as we're in regard to our sins and we will get to that next week and I, 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 we're getting to it today i don't want to gloss over that fact, but it just really, really struck me that the power of our attention and our aspirations as it relates to our minds and our hearts is, is, has a magnificent effect on our perception of the good and negative in this life. Corey Tinboom once said, "If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. And if you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. Look at the world, you'll be distressed. Look within, you'll be depressed. Look at Christ, you'll be at rest. You're like, Who, who is this lady? Corey, Corey Tinboom? What did she really know about pain? She grew up in a watchmaker's home in Amsterdam, not in Amsterdam, but in the Netherlands. And with her father and her sister, she worked in this watchmaker business. But they used that business also in the 1930s to help Jewish people escape persecution from the Nazis. And eventually, they were caught. And she was arrested, along with her sister Betsy. And they were sent to the Ravensbrück concentration camp and starved and suffered and tortured. And her sister died there. These are not empty words. This is about the hope of the gospel. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll be at rest. So that drives me to this. And the one thing I want to convince you of today, if you're just continuing (laughs) in and filling in notes with me at the bottom of your notes page, the one thing that this message is about I need to focus my identity on the only opinion that has ever really mattered, the opinion of Jesus. Because when my obsession is about my opinion about everything, guess how others begin to perceive me when it's clear that the only thing I care about is my own opinion. If every time we get together, all I talk about is me, does that come across very well? Right? It's all about me. You're all about me. The world is all about me. Right, that, That's pretty negative. That, that pushes people away. If I focus, instead of focusing on me, the only thing that matters in my life is you. And I'm focused on all of your opinions. I stand before you every week. Sometimes I sit, which I will, probably a good part of the rest of this message. And I share the gospel with you. But if I live... For your opinion, we had a good Sunday, I feel good about myself. We had a bad Sunday, I feel bad about myself. You say, what defines a good and bad Sunday? Your smiles? I don't know. Your laughs? I I don't know. The reality is I can't live for your opinion. Any given week. Sometimes I get one of those cards. It was a great job, Brian. Thank you. Sometimes I get those cards that go, I'm not so sure you got this one right. Or worse. I I can't live for human opinion. The opinion that matters is the guy we're talking about. It's the only opinion that's ever really mattered. The opinion of Jesus. And that's where I need to focus my thoughts, and that's where I need to focus my identity. Because the real opinion that matters is the only opinion that has ever really mattered. And that's what Jesus thinks of my life. He gave you a quote last week from Tim Keller. I put it in your notes. Today I'm just going to read it to you, but here's another one from him. He said, The gospel is that you must stop trying to steal self-acceptance from other places or other sources. For example, we try to steal self-acceptance from power or achievement or popularity. We instead try to warm ourselves at the fires of the things of this world. And he said, instead of that, you need to learn to warm yourself at the fire of your standing in Jesus Christ. Another way to put it is that God treats believers as if they have done all that Christ has done. He then quotes a friend and says another one, and this is one of his favorites, a little quote by a friend of his uh, somewhere else. He sa- this quote says, The determining factor in my relationship to God is not my past or my present, but Christ's past and his present. This is life-changing when we really understand the depth of the good news. So what I want to do in the time we have left is just be super practical and look at these verses and talk about how to change our hearts and our minds in ways. Notice I did that backwards because I'm good at that, right? (laughs) Our hearts and our minds. Actually, in in a sort of ancient way of thinking, right, they didn't know quite what we know, and they thought of... Uh, they thought of here being sort of the center of your thinking and and quite honestly they thought of your gut as the center of your feelings that's part of why today we'll say I have a gut feeling exactly exactly so what do we do how do I change my focus from my obsessions Particularly with me and at the core of my obsession with me is my sin and It's built into all of us. We're born with that. You know, I mean I I I came out with no words But my first words after mama and dad and that kind of thing had to be me and mine So four ways to change my focus from from myself and my stinking thinking to Jesus number one is to focus my heart on Jesus on his throne That's what it says focus my heart on Jesus on his throne verse 1 since then you have been raised with Christ In his resurrection set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God You might remember when Jesus After he'd been resurrected there were disciples that wanted to cling to him and they wanted to hold on to him and he kept saying things like like even before he died on the cross like like it's better for you if i go and he talked about sending the holy spirit and if i'm one of the disciples i'm thinking dude you're nuts like we've spent three years walking on this earth with you What's better than having God in the flesh walking right next to me? When he says, follow me, that's actually literal. He gets up and goes somewhere. I get up and go somewhere. What's better than that? A resurrected Jesus ascended into heaven, reigning on a throne. This world, in the news of the day, appears wildly out of control. But none of that means Jesus is not reigning on a throne. And I need to focus my heart there. It literally says to seek or pursue with diligence things above. And the right hand of God is a way of saying, in a lot of senses, especially in Hebraic thought, that Jesus is God. Because this position of authority and honor and majesty is reserved for God Himself. So to be at the right hand of God, again, we would say like right hand person, right hand man, is the seat of honor. It is the seat of majesty. It is the seat of authority. And when I'm obsessed with stinking thinking and I'm caught up in that cycle, do you know who I have in the seat of honor and majesty and authority? Me. This is why I said life's never been about you. And when I come to the place where I focus my heart, And the aspirations of my heart on jesus and his throne and if you want to know what it's like to avoid a focus of jesus on his throne and to be obsessed with ourselves we'll get to it next week where it says put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature uh, sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires and greed and we'll work our way through that next week but but it is so natural to get caught up with an obsession of the wrong things in our hearts so I need to focus my heart on Jesus on the throne this makes sense let me let me give you the application that I know you will need in the coming months but what about how the world is all messed up and what if the other dude on the or do I'd love to have a female president I'm just saying That doesn't mean I agree that any given person should be president of the U.S. I just think, you know, like in my mind, like, why not? It's about time. But all of that said, any dude or dudette that is elected, somebody in this room is going to say, oh, my, it's the end of the world. Let's leave that to REM. Right? They already know it. So, it's been, it was the end of the world in 1980 when, when an actor from California was elected. And it was the end of the world in 1992. And it was the end of the world in the year 2000, the year 2004, and the year 2000. And you're still here. Right? Can you imagine being Roman and, like, they change out Caesars and you go, ha, ha one evil dude who wipes out people at a moment's notice it's the end of the world now we got another one like they had no say back then and we get caught up in this belief that because we have a vote which i'm for and i love and i'm all about the freedoms we have in the u.s please don't misunderstand me it's a privilege to vote please do vote but we get so caught up in it's the end of the world if our dude or dudette isn't reigning on the throne guess what they're not there is a throne that matters and jesus is on it sorry i might get a little animated there number two focus my mind on what matters for eternity my heart on jesus on the throne this is very similar focus my mind on what matters for eternity in other words don't confuse what matters now with what matters most literally this could be translated habitually or with regularity set your mind or your attention on things above not on the things of the earth or things on the earth someone has said that our feet must be on earth but our minds must be in heaven That this is not to suggest, as as a preacher from years past, D.L. Moody, once said, that we become so heavenly-minded that we are no earthly good. It means, rather, that our practical, everyday affairs of life get their direction from Christ in heaven. It means that we're going to look at earth from heaven's point of view. That I want to see life, I want to see earth, I want to see people the way Jesus sees them that we are here if you think about it deeply to bring heaven to hearts and minds and then together in the community of faith as we bring heaven to our hearts and minds together we bring heaven to earth but what we often do is skip that first step and then we lose credibility because we want others to have heaven in their hearts and minds but we want our minds and thinking to be Focused on things down here it matters that we get our thinking right now it's really really easy to to flip the script on this one and get it wrong right where we're where we're just butterflies floating in the heavens we're like oh. I've transcended to the other side. Where, where, where we don't care at all about what happens down here, as though we don't care at all about. And I would remind you, Jesus plunged head firth, first into heaven and earth. And the Bible says that when he comes again a wins in the end, yeah. that have thank you, heaven will literally be brought back to earth. So it's not that this place doesn't matter. It's not that the people down here don't matter. It's that we need the perspective of heaven. Number three, I need to focus my past, my present, and my future on what Jesus is doing in my life. My past, my present, my future on what Jesus is doing in my life. you remember a minute ago, I talked about our pains. Glad you don't have any, brother. Yet. He's so encouraging, isn't he? I'm a right? It is super easy to focus my past, my present, and my future on what my pains are doing in my life. Or what other people are doing in my life. Or right? I need to focus all of the timing of my life on what Jesus is doing. Look at how this is worded. Right. Verse 3 goes on and says, for you died, that is, when Christ died, you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So I want you to note, died is past tense. And is, your life now is hidden with Christ in God, is present tense. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, future tense. This goes past, present, future, all revolving around what Christ is doing and has done in my life. Y'all are really smart. We we can do like two minutes of theology here, all right? Can you just work with me on this? You can do this, all right? All right? So we would say from a salvation point of view that salvation past, salvation present, and salvation future are a done deal. All right? There is salvation past that I am, Have been saved that my past is Forgiven it's done. It's written. It's there is no question that when God right now looks into my life He sees Christ in me It's done My past we get all caught up in our past Easily our stinking thinking I could have said something about the past, right? your past Christ has it. So, what about my present? It says that in your present, that you are, it's this odd phrase, that I am hidden with Christ in God. That is to say, that I am in my present secure, is what this is getting at. That I am protected. This is safety and secrecy. I talked about Corey Tinboom before, that they had hidden rooms in the house when they would hide jewish folks in the house that when they knew raids were happening in the neighborhood that they had an alarm bell that would go off and and those that they were taking care of would rush into the hidden place to be protected that's what you and i are doing in the present in this life except you and i aren't doing the running around we are in the grip of grace on our lives that our past is secure and my life is hidden in Christ with God, that Christ's grip on my life is is safe. Jesus said, no one can snatch the believer out of my hand or the Father's hand. And there is a future tense of salvation, a past tense, I have been saved, a present tense, I am being saved, and there is a future tense, I will be saved. And that is to say that my future is full of glory and hope. Not that I'm going to receive glory, but Jesus' glory. And so that my future is hopeful. And theologically speaking, we refer to these tenses, right? Salvation, past tense, in a sense. It's, it's all of it, really. Present tense, sanctification, I am now being saved. Future tense, glorification, I will be transformed that I will have a glory of God as meant to be reflected in my life all of this is to say that this good news of Jesus none of it is about me other than the fact that I don't deserve it because I really am a broken pain experiencing stinking thinking I'm a a human being. I am a sinful person. And Jesus plunged headfirst into this world, died on the cross for our sins, to change us. Past, present, future. Number four. I need to focus my life's purpose on bringing the kingdom of heaven to the kingdom of earth. When I read kingdom, I, I was taught this a long, long time ago. Kingdom has a king. So to bring the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven to earth is to bring the rule and reign of God or the rule and reign of Christ to the hearts and minds of people. We are left here with a purpose. We are people on mission. When we, when, when we give away pizza and a few weeks at the University of Oregon we're living we're not giving away pizza for the sake of pizza right we're not trying to advertise the best pizza place in town hey all these U of O students here's the best pizza that's good pizza isn't it it's one of the best pizzas right we give away really good pizza but we're not going hey everybody look at this pizza right along with the what were we doing last week We were advertising in the weeks uh, prior to last week for the back-to-school bash, and, and we got one of those cranky notes on Facebook that I don't remember it exactly, but it was something along the lines that we were being blasphemous by doing this secular stuff. I'm like... We're just loving families, creating a safe atmosphere that's a positive atmosphere, giving away free food in Jesus' name. How is that wrong? And we're doing it so that in time we earn the relationship to share the gospel, the good news. Right? I need to focus my life's purpose. You say, well, Brian, that's you. You're a pastor. Your your life's purpose is to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. No. No. I mean yes it is but it's your life purpose too it's not because I'm a pastor it's because I'm a Christian and so every single one of us has this responsibility I, I'll give you this and then we're gonna we're gonna close and, and pray and, and sing again. Christians have this tendency to at one point have sin and stinking thinking and and the sort of worldly stuff all of that bound up in their life and somewhere along the way we meet Jesus Christ and we discover how wonderful Jesus is and how much it changes our past and our present and our future and then Christians we Christians have this tendency to then want to huddle together away from all of that world stuff out there away from earth like like we want to be the people who go to the moon and set up a little colony because we want to huddle away from all of that other stinking thinking that's out there. That's not what Jesus left us to do. So I wonder if there are any people in your life you might need to bring the rule and reign of Christ to the good news. Maybe there's someone you need to share it with. In fact, maybe you'd ask us to pray about that. Maybe on your communication card, you write down a name or two of someone that you're thinking, hey, God put a name in your life, and, and you need us to be praying as you bring the good news, the best news, the only news that is life-changing. I was in our services, uh, my sermons particularly, with two prayers. The first is a prayer of, salvation the second is a prayer of application and if you need jesus today the good news is literally that he is god in the flesh that he died on the cross you say wait god is dead god died we can we can talk about the language of that god died on the cross but he's alive God's not dead. Jesus is reigning on a throne in heaven, and he can reign in your heart because of what he's done on that cross. And if you need him today, maybe you'd pray with me right now and just ask him to take over. Pray like this, maybe online. Dear Jesus, I don't deserve you, and I confess that I am a sinner, that I fall short And I thank you that you died for my sins. So please forgive me. Please take over my life. Please live inside of me. And bring the kingdom of heaven to me because I'm not a king or I don't have a kingdom. Jesus, be my God. Change my heart. And make me like you. I pray in your name. You know, if that's you and you prayed to receive Christ today, maybe for the very first time, man, I'd love to celebrate that. Like, it's a big deal. We'd love to say welcome to the family and welcome to the kingdom of heaven. And we'd love to celebrate with you, but we can't celebrate if we don't know about it. So let somebody know. You can tell somebody you're sitting with. or You can find me after service. You can email me. I'm brian, B-R-I-A-N, at com. I would very much love to hear that God is at work in your life in this way. A lot of you prayed a prayer of salvation like that a while back, right? But you need this good news to be fresh today. And if that's you, would you stand with me and pray this prayer of application together? Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm often focused on earthly thinking. So focus my mind and my heart on you and you alone. Fix my identity on your opinion. And my heart on you and your throne. And remind me every day what matters most. Help me to cooperate with your work in my life. And thank you that I am safe in your hand. We commit ourselves as Harvest Community Church bring your hope to this neighborhood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you guys.